Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tops Talk, episode 27, and we thank you for listening in from whenever and wherever you are. I'm your host, Alex Burge. Joe Block is a seasoned Major League Baseball broadcaster, spending years with the Milwaukee Brewers as a partner to Bob Euchre, and he's now in his first season with the Pittsburgh Pirates as a radio voice on KDKA-FM. But Joe reached out to me not as a broadcaster, but as a collector. As a kid, he was overwhelmed with a love of collecting baseball cards, and he's now getting back into the hobby. Since the Pirates were in New York this week, Joe was able to stop by the office to take a tour of the place, and he told me all about his passion for collecting cards. Joe Block, Pittsburgh Pirates radio broadcaster. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Alex, it's a pleasure to be here. This is cool. You know, you and I did a phone interview uh, a while ago, and of course, as the schedule just had it, I just kept getting pushed and pushed for for one reason or another, and then I realized, my goodness, this is getting pretty close to June 15th, which is when Joe said he wanted to come in, and now we actually get to have you here in the office, and you've gotten a little tour of the place so far. Uh, what do you think? Oh, it's, it's really cool. It's kind of a a boyhood dream come true because uh, looking around and seeing all the different uh, baseball cards all blown up at different sizes and all the different uh, products and things that uh, I remember uh, I saw that I didn't realize Tops makes ring pops and yeah. uh, I gave one to my now wife when I wanted her to be my girlfriend so uh, <laughs> I thought that was a good idea at the time and she accepted it so it didn't I, last I, long though. no but you know what i think we should we should try to make it like a special decree right here that any anyone who's instead of having the talk which look let's be honest it's kind of awkward to have that talk of whether it's do you want to be my girlfriend you want to be but that's that's a little bit weird instead propose with a ring pop propose would you like to be my girlfriend would you like to be my boyfriend kind of a thing i think that will work wonders and i think you sir started a trend and it's a lot uh, less expensive than the real thing later on, so that was. <laughs> I think that worked out a lot better. It's true. Too. It's true. But yeah, I mean, we we have uh, we have many colors here at at Tops. Uh, we, you know, obviously Bazooka is uh, is the main name that people will uh, remember from the candy perspective, but then Ring Pop, um, and uh, and and Juicy Drop Pop as well, and then the the new Crunchkins. Uh, I, I'm not is, familiar with the new varieties. Well, yeah, yeah. again, they're new, so I mean, they're they just. Very recently released, yeah, Crunchkins. These uh, these little spheres that are crunchy naturally. They're made of skin. Crunchkins. Yeah. No, no, that's no. Not. They're not. Oh, no, okay. They're oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. No, no, no. See, Candy, Candy's gonna get mad at me then because I'm, I'm not gonna edit that out. And and, and <laughs> that's me saying it, not you. Exactly that. Right. That, that's my point. Donut fl- donut shop flavor, brownie flavor, and a birthday cake flavor. And there's three of them. They're all very good. A little too addictive. I mean, they're they're that good. Uh, but anyway, now what so, happened to the gum that used to be in packs prior to 1991? Where, where, are the, where is that gum stored today? So the gum, I mean, it's it's stored in in little uh, little jars around around the office. No, but it's uh, it's in uh, individually wrapped pieces of bazooka gum. Uh, they were damaging the cards, and so we 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 took them out. Um, however, there are some special inserts that ha- that are in um, Heritage Baseball that smell like gum. Oh, that's neat. We put a little gum kind of gloss on the back, a, a type of a type of uh, of a smelly finish, a good smell, and uh, yeah, just to give a little bit of a flavor. Of, okay, I miss that. Yeah, everybody does. And whenever I say I work at Tops, like oh yeah, lo- love those love those cards. You eat that gum all the time. Didn't taste particularly great because it was in the pack for a long time. But boy, was that I just love that stuff. I said, well, you know, we don't have the gum on it anymore. 
and they are disappointed at that. I'm like, I thought you said you didn't yeah. like it. Like, well, it was part of the experience. And I think that is like the essence of what we are here at Tops, which is the experience, the nostalgia. And I know that you have uh, a lot of history with that, with, with your love of collecting cards. So why don't you go into that and, 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 and how you first got into card collecting? Well, I'm a, uh, almost 40, so there's a lot of guys my age, I think, that uh, you know got into card collecting uh, because it was pretty popular in the 80s and uh, and and for me, I thought you know the if you collected the top set in that particular year, you probably had one up on your buddy. So you know, I always try to make sure that I got the set, and some of them I'm still trying to complete, but I got most of it done. But um, yeah, and then uh, you know during the '90s, I came around. I was I, I went into you know junior high, and that's when uh, the craze really took place, and everyone was trying to invest in cards and things of that nature. But I always looked at it more of just the you know, I liked having a, a picture of my favorite ball player, and you know, it's it seems so antiquated now, even though it was about 25, 30 years ago. But uh, clearly, uh, nowadays, it, it makes no sense that that was basically the only way you could have a picture of uh, your favorite player and to know the stats of that player too. Now, I mean, there was guides and and things that you could get maybe get at the library, um, or you could. You know, maybe get a magazine and, and maybe find a picture of your favorite player. But that was really the only easy way to do it. And, you know, now obviously everything is, is so much red, more readily available. But at that time, uh, it was a really cool way to kind of collect your favorite players. Yeah, and, and what you just said really reminded me of, uh, of a conversation that I had with uh, sports writer uh, Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated, who's on the, the last episode. And one of the things that he experienced with his son, who's seven years old, is that you know, his son was opening up 2015 Top Series 1 last year. And he saw this card of Derek Jeter jumping up midair after he hit his walk-off. I love that card. It's a, it's a wonderful card. It's honestly, and I'm a Mets fan, but I'm, that is one of my absolute favorite cards. And you know, Lee remembered that, wait a minute, I, I think I have a Derek Jeter card somewhere in here. And he found it. And it was from 1992. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're able to put side by side Derek Jeter as a draft pick and then Derek Jeter's final base card with tops. And I said to him, I'm like, you know, now we can obviously recreate that moment online. I mean, you can just, in one tab in your browser, you know, 1992 Derek Jeter. And then the other tab, eh, 2015 Derek Jeter. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, all right, that's about it. But when you have those cards in your possession and it just feels different. It's, it's complete. It's this, it's this feeling that of like, wow, this is a moment and a moment of completion and something that's important. And that's how nostalgia forms and how that's also how nostalgia is experienced. So it's something that's truly extraordinary and powerful. I think that, that these cards can, can give people. Yeah. And it's tangible, you know, you, you have it in your hand. And so, um, I have both of those cards and, yeah, I mean, in the very same vein, I actually found that Jeter card, uh, his rookie card, maybe over the winter, because I went through. I have a box that says 1992 tops on it, so I went through there and, oh my gosh, I have a I have a Derek Jeter card. I also have a, uh, a I'm trying to think of a <laughs> Jeff Jackson card or something. Uh, I there we go. Maybe he was in 1990, but you know, a, a guy that didn't quite make it for sure, instance. Sure. Um, you know, uh, right next to him, and, uh, and you know, wow, you know, so it's kind of cool to see. How over time, uh, you know, different uh, players were thought of of of, of being a, a big deal. I mean, I remember uh, really coveting Eric Anthony cards, 
you know, and he, you know, he played uh, almost 10 years in the big leagues, but uh, never really uh, rose to stardom as he was expected. But, you know, then again, there, you know, in that same set, uh, you know, uh, or maybe the year before Randy Johnson, those cards really weren't sought after in 1989, but you know, now you look back and go, wow, that's a card I really wish I had, you know? Um, so it's kind of funny how the lineage of time works. And when you have something physically from that era, uh, especially when you've had it since that time, uh, it's really cool to see kind of how it, uh, how, how its meaning has changed. So, who were your guys that you wanted to collect? I mean, you apparently had some Eric Anthony's, <laughs> but uh, who? <laughs> Todd who, Zeal, yeah, oh, Bad McDonald. I got to get all the hot, hot rookies. Yeah, but uh, well, yeah, when I was a kid, I grew up in in Detroit, and um, so at that time, uh, the Tigers uh, were a big thing uh, naturally, and uh, winning the World Series in '84, and I, and I was six then, and I wasn't really sure what cards were, but uh, in the next couple of years, I started to to really jump in on them. So uh, I collected Tigers cards and then just general stars of of the game at that time. But um, I actually still have a binder of uh, my favorite players from, say, maybe 86 to 90. And it's funny who I thought was, you know, a, a really good player at that time. And, and, and some guys I don't feel strongly about these days and some I feel more, you know, guys that I didn't particularly collect uh, at that time I feel more strongly about today. So... Uh, you know, I have a, a whole page of Marquise Grissom cards. Wow! Uh, you, you know, for instance, and I was like, I loved Marquise Grissom as, as a kid, and David Justice. Um, but really I really likable players when you're young, for sure. Yeah, but yeah. you know, uh, but not guys that are in the Hall of Fame, for no, instance. No. But I didn't have, I didn't collect Robin Yount or Tony Gwynn. <laughs> you know, like, wait, what am I thinking? You know, and then I ended up working for the Brewers, and Robin Yount's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet and, and one of the greatest ball players that have ever existed. And Tony Gwynn, when I had met him when he was alive, uh, couldn't have been nicer to me and obviously uh, one of the very best hitters that's ever lived. Uh, but, you know. No cards. It, you know, <laughs> I, I got them somewhere, you. but I didn't really put them in any order. So, uh, But I've got a lot of Phil Necros and Kent Colby sitting oh, around. Wow. So, wow. Um, you know, so it's just funny how, you know, when you're 12 years old, you think of different things like that. Yeah, you, you kind of get caught up in specific players. And, and, and uh, whoever I talk with about collecting, that, that comes up probably 90% of the time, which is that, A, no one is a scout. <laughs> like, that's, like Rarely will anyone say, was I right about this guy when I was nine years old? No, absolutely not. I mean, I had my own run with that as well. I mean, I loved when I was younger, and, I, and I'm – I, I'm definitely younger than I than I sound. I believe I, I just recently turned 27, and so when I I remember those years. Was, yeah, everybody also says that too. <laughs> <laughs> and when when I was young, I was obsessed with Robin Ventura because of his time on the Mets. His I first. have a whole page of Robin Ventura I cards. Loved I had a whole Robin. nine the nine cards. I, I loved loved Robin. <laughs> loved him. He was everything that I wanted to be in baseball. Like I wanted to be a third baseman at that time in my life. I wanted to hit lefty. I couldn't. I was a righty. But his swing was so sweet. And he was an incredible fielder. Like, whoa, was he an amazing fielder. And he had, when his first year with us, with the Mets, he was unbelievable. And that's when I was, whoa, this guy's this guy's my new hero. And then across the diamond, I also fell in love with John Olerud. One of the most solid baseball players that has ever flirted with 400 one year. He, re, he he was unbelievable. Wore the helmet in the field. He did. When you look back and you see these players that you took to, you don't question it either. We all justify it. 
which I think is part of the beauty of it, is that we all are still in love with these people, no matter what. You know, one example of that is Kent Tocolvi. I, you know, I did not grow up in Pittsburgh, but uh, and 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 he was with the Phillies for most of the time, or you know, the last few years of his career, where I was kind of getting into cards. And so now I work with him. He does the TV pre and post on our broadcasts. That's right. So so I I work with Kent Tocolvi, and I I just think about that that blows my mind. And so for a kid growing growing up in Michigan to collect Kent Tocolvi cards. And then to all of a uh, he sudden, was an <laughs> right outstanding <laughs> reliever, that's, yeah, that's but but you know, but toward the you know mid eighties and stuff, he was kind of kind of the back end of his career. But I I loved him because he was long and lanky and, and wore those photo grays, you know. <laughs> but the, my two favorite players growing up were Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker, the the double play combination mm. of the Tigers. And so to this day, uh, and guys like John Morosi, uh, who grew up in Michigan as well, and and, and other guys that are in the media. Mm. Uh, that were around those guys will still go to bat for them and for their Hall of Fame candid- oh, yeah. candidacy. So, oh, yeah. so, so yeah. So in terms of sticking up for guys, I will always stick up for those guys. And now uh, I don't have to stick up for Kent Colby because everybody in Pittsburgh loves him just as much as I did, probably more. Clay Laraski, Vice President of Product Development. Let's talk about Series 2. Series 2 is an interesting product. It's one of our flagship products. Why don't you go into the history of Series 2 and why we do a Topps Baseball Series 2? Well, in the in the good old days, um, we actually do, used to do several series. And, you know, they would be trickled out through the year. And as as the years have gone along, the series have been shortened. We, we basically now do three series. You do a Series 1, a Series 2, and then a product called Updates, um, which is the third installment of the flagship product. But Series 2 is meant to be a continuation of Series 1. Uh, there's some new things that you'll see in this product, and then there's some things that are, like I said, they're continuing, um, picking up from the first product. And it's a way for us to to capture things that we couldn't get into Series 1, because Series 1 is planned out so far ahead. Stuff that happened early in the season, and um, in spring training, and the, the off-season, we were able to capture more of those things in Series 2. Yeah, I think one of the things that people don't really understand, and I mean, why would they unless they work here and understand the process of making a product, but it is a very long process, and it's because we're trying to get everything perfect. And uh, and so for something like this, it really is interesting to see how you know we can incorporate, like you said, those off-season uh, moves, the, uh, the maybe the different happenings that, in spring training. Uh, but one thing that this series is doing this year is honoring some known names that have been at it for a while or in one case is retired but will be soon celebrated let's go to the one that is still at it chasing 3000 that is an insert for Ichiro Suzuki and I mean this is such a special insert and it's because this man is oh so close to the incredible number 3000 hits in America that's right. I mean, the baseball world is counting down. When you take that 3,000 and you add it to the number of hits uh, that he got when he was playing in the Nippon League, it's 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 massive. And Ichiro has not only been a, a great player to to watch and been great for the game. He's also very collectible. And part of that part of that reason is he has two very large fan bases: one in Japan and, and one in the U.S. So. People are always, always hungry for his cards. So in Series 2, we are commemorating his chase for 3,000. So we're doing an insert set, 
In addition to the insert set, we actually had him also sign some of the cards as well. Um, so there's autograph cards, and uh, we've purchased cards that we've done of him since 2001. I can still remember I was with Topps in 2001 when his card came out. He was a he and Albert Pujols were rookie cards, and it was a, it was a crazy year. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a great way to commemorate an awesome player. Yeah, those were two of the best rookies ever, and they were. They kept their excellence for so long. It's so fascinating just to, to still talk about Ichiro. And not a lot of people thought that he was going to be able to do it, the 3,000 mark in America, until you know fairly recently when people realized, man, this guy is so close. And he's continuing just to be able to get singles and sometimes doubles. But he really hasn't lost a step. No, I mean, last night he went three for three. He's 42 years old, I believe. Um, he's making spot appearances, he's coming off the bench, and he still has is putting in multi-hit nights, still. Um, and, you know, he's just, he, he's an amazing player to watch. And you, and you don't think about all those years where he had like 200 plus hits. He has so many hitting records, and, uh, you know, he's at the end of his career, but he can still, he, he really still plays like he's, you know, in, in his 30s. wife grew up in in Pittsburgh and uh, so I mean uh, we had pretty much made our home there unofficially for uh, quite a while and uh, we just had uh, a, a baby girl in November Nancy yes, of course Congratulations. Nancy hello if you're listening to top stock um, <laughs> and yeah so I mean uh, you know it's just a, it felt like we were going home uh, the folks in Milwaukee were so so good to us and it and it felt as close to home without having your family around as it could be um, you know we really felt uh, you know we got around Wisconsin and got to see the state and uh, but you know Western Pennsylvania uh, my wife obviously has roots there and for me my ancestors so to speak you know a hundred years ago came over from Europe they settled in Byesville, Ohio, and Wheeling, West Virginia, on both sides of the family, which are you know within a stone's throw of Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. I've always been drawn to the area. Uh, I was a Penguins fan uh, as a kid. Congratulations. Uh, uh, well, thank you. I just got back on the bandwagon two months ago. Uh, <laughs> Perfect time. I was kind of not around for the last 20 years, so I can't take credit. But sure, the, sure. The early 90s Cups, I was a big fan. There you go. But yeah, uh, but yeah like so... Mario. I, yeah, oh yeah, Mario. Ronnie Francis was my favorite. So, so you... You went to Pittsburgh from Milwaukee, as you were alluding to, and you had quite the partner in the booth in Bob Euchre. And have you sitting right here? I have to ask you about what that's like about yeah, working I, with legendary Euchre. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to share it because it was four of the greatest years of my career. I mean, it really was. I mean, I work with a great group of people in Pittsburgh, and I'm looking forward to working with them for the rest of my career. Um, but for four years, I got to sit next to Bob Euchre and really. First of all, learn, um, you know, learn the ways of really how to entertain. Um, you know, one of the best entertainers from our era um, in, Ameri- in American history, yeah. not just in baseball. One of the most versatile men to ever have walked this earth. Yes. Um, and one of the kindest, uh, which is something he probably would not have you know. So, Yuke, if you're listening here. Uh, I'm sorry uh, to tell people you're nice. Um, but, you know, he uh, just genuinely a really, really good man who um, helped me out considerably, but but also was just obviously so so much fun to be around. So there was a lot of nights where brewers are getting their can kicked in, and uh, we had a way to have fun, and he taught me how to do that. So, you know, on nights where the Pirates aren't doing so hot, 
uh, I know how to, you know, kind of keep it going and keep people listening and, and, and maybe not uh, know what they're going to expect next, uh, what they hear. So, um, but what a terrific thrill that was to just work alongside him. And, and he made me feel very much like his equal, although uh, I will never feel even close to that. Uh, but he tried to make me feel that way as best he could. Whoever thinks that they're an equal is incredibly wrong and, and their wings will soon melt, uh, as they get too close to that sun. Please tell me a, a few stories about what it was like being with him. And I can only imagine that uh, a cast of characters have come up to see you guys while you guys are on the air. Alex, that's a great uh, that's a great uh, point because, yeah, th- that's something that I've now noticed being with the Pirates that doesn't happen as often. <laughs> uh, I, I just thought that was normal to uh, see uh, a cavalcade of celebrities uh, throughout every uh, weekend or whatever. But uh, I remember it was probably their second second month or so uh, working with him. We were in Kansas City, which is interleague play, so we're you know, not there very often. And it's like the uh, you know he was off in the third and fourth innings, and he always he has been for a long time. So I think people know that. So all of a sudden George Brett comes in the booth in, in the third inning. I'm thinking, wow, that's George Brett right there, and he's talking to you, and they're laughing, and I mean they're they're being loud, you know, they're laughing and <laughs> and you know kidding each other, and you know I'm broadcasting the third inning, so I'm like looking behind me, going, wow, they're having a lot of fun back there. I wish I could be a part of this. I just have <laughs> to t- tell folks what's going on. Yeah, and so then. Uh, and the way we, we were sitting that day, I was sitting a little closer to, there's a kind of a stairway uh, when you come in from the outer, outer part. And so Yuke was kind of insulated off to the left. So the next inning comes by and, you know, Brett leaves and then uh, I get a tap on my shoulder. Hey, is Yuke on right now? No, 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 he's, he's off right now. Hold on. Let me, I'll, I'll get him, you know, because I had to. I, sorry, I just hit the hit the microphone. <laughs> He's a seasoned uh, broadcaster. Everybody, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to stop serving that. Uh, yeah, that the, 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 the bazooka juice. Bazooka yeah. juice. Yeah, bazooka juice. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, off uh, off to my left is him. So and I tap you. I said, "Hey, someone wants to see you." And I'm thinking, "Who is this guy? He's a good, you know, a little bit older. Not not old, but a little bit older. Uh, kind of scraggly black hair and kind of kind of almost looks like a, I don't know, a little, a little scary looking, I guess, to to some degree." And uh, I'm thinking, who, who is this over here? And he goes, hey, Coop. I'm thinking, Coop. I'm like, oh, my God, that's, that's Alice Cooper. He doesn't have his makeup on, you know, but he's, you know, he's just wanted to talk to you. And so the three of us ended up talking between innings, uh, Alice Cooper. I'm thinking, how do I address him? Alice or Al or Mr. Cooper? No, I'm not. That was Mr. A, Cooper. That was a TV show. Yeah. You know, so and Mark Curry. Uh, didn't think I'd get a Mark Curry reference, but, but yeah, but you know, um, so I talked to him, you know, and I, we're talking about the Rocky Calavito Harvey Keene trade, and we're trying to debate the merits of, you know, Detroit and Cleveland and who got the better of the deal, and I, I think it was '59 or '60, whenever that, you know, because he grew up in, in Detroit, like sure, I did. So, yeah. So the three of us are talking about this trade. I'm like, what what has my life become? This is one of the greatest moments of my life. So that was actually fairly commonplace. Wow. Uh, working alongside Bob Euchre. That's unbelievable. You act, you didn't. You didn't tell us what you called him, though. What, what do you, what do you call him? I don't him? think I referred to him. I just I, said, hey. Yeah, hey. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Nice yeah. to meet you. Yeah, it's like what every boyfriend says when he meets his girlfriend's parents. Like, oh, hey. I don't know what to call him. Hello, Mr. Sir. Hello. Hey. Oh, hi. How I don't even you? know her last name. <laughs> exactly. That's probably not good. Yeah, no. Wow. Um, good uh, thing you had that ring pop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when, when, when you had that type of, of tenure with, with Euchre, you said that obviously you had you learned so many things from him. What were some specific things that you learned to be engaging? 
I mean, just to entertain, uh, just to be yourself, uh, to um, not, you know, not broadcast at people, but talk with them. Um, you know, kid around, joke around. Let uh, you know. For me, I mean, that's actually a lot of my personality is to kind of be silly and. Um, you know, I couldn't when the, tell. Couldn't well, tell. yeah, <laughs> you know, but when the game, you know, when the game gets aside, I mean, if it's sure. a good ball game, let's bring people the ball game. They're tuning in for the ball game. They're not tuning in for me or anybody else. Um, but you know, if if it's an eight-one ball game, the team's down or the team's in the midst of a bad season or something, then there's an opportunity to just, you know, people want to hear baseball at that point. They don't really, they kind of know the outcome is fait accompli. It's not going to be sure. very good, sure. uh, but. They just want to hear baseball, so entertain them, have some fun with it. So I think just that in general was was something that I learned uh, more by osmosis than for him actually, you know, having me fill out you know ditto sheets or something like that on <laughs> how to be engaging. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think and one of the things that because I, I studied for for a decent amount of years to be in the profession that you're in, I can and, tell you're doing a nice interview. Right oh, now, well, I, I appreciate Thank that. You. Yes, and one of the things that I was that I will never forget. When you are broadcasting, remember that you are invited company. So be good company. And I, I like that. And, and I, I've never heard that. I like that. I'm gonna. That'll stick with you. Me. Sh- you should keep it as well. I mean, I, it really is something that is very important. I think to anybody who's trying to get into the field, because you are absolutely invited company. No one is being forced to listen to you. To people who are listening to this, I, I greatly appreciate you doing that, and I really value any opinion and that's why when you wrote to me mm-hmm. saying hey i invited myself on you, you really you did and i was so happy <laughs> that you reached out I, so i'm an invited guest by my own volition you are but again like when any when anyone has an opinion on how they think this thing should go like that i will listen to it but when when you are invited company be a good guest be a good company and i and i think that uh that euchre is one of the most engaging company that you could ever have and you sir have learned a lot i'm sure and i could already feel from you i i i love the i love the mets broadcasters but now i want to hear the game from your point of view tonight they are very very good in fact i will uh tonight i'll probably sit down with with gary cohen and 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 have a a bite to eat and chat with him because he's one of my favorite people to talk to he is but the whole crew is outstanding Uh, radio tv side everybody that I've ever talked to great people and they do a great great job Ken Griffey Jr. he will be inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame this year in July and because of that the kid is getting his own insert that's right this insert's called tribute to the kid and this is another guy who has um, quite a following not only not only by fans who, who watch the game of baseball, but is a big part of the baseball card collecting world. Um, you know, when he came in as a rookie in 1989, in the height of the baseball card fever, he was he was basically the face of that time. And, um, you know, he was a young 19-year-old player, the son of a, of a great player as well, who had a lot you know, to on his shoulders to try and do, but the guy did it, and he had an awesome career, and uh, that's what we're doing in series two. We're, we're paying tribute to this amazing career. And what's incredible is that he's going to be the first first overall pick in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. That's that's crazy. Oh, that's cool. that, that's that, that's wild. And to think that he's the first, it makes so much sense. He's also the 
highest voted player ever. He has the highest percentage of all time, beating out Tom Seaver. And Ken Griffey Jr., I mean, like you're saying, he became kind of the face of the of the collecting wave of the 90s. He also became the face of baseball in the 90s. I mean, this guy was everywhere. He was in movies. He was obviously starring on TV with his own team, the Mariners. He had a, a legendary video game presence that, that people who were young figuring out, oh man, this guy's on the cover of my new favorite video game. That, I mean, I'll never forget Slugfest. That you know, changed my life. Um, so Griffey has a, a lot of he has a lot of different flavors to uh, to how he affected the game and the fans. Obviously, makes all the sense in the world to tribute in series two. Right. I think you know one of the reasons why people loved him so much was the way he played the game. He had fun when he played the game, and was respected the way he plays the game as Ichiro. He's very systematic. He has a routine. He takes the game very seriously, but at the same time, you can tell he's having fun while he's playing baseball. And, 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 you know, no one had seen anything like Griffey since probably like Willie Mays, who just went out there like reckless abandon, played, had his hat bat on backwards while he did batting practice, and just always had a smile. And that's one of the reasons why he's been, um, he's just so much, so many people have an affinity towards him. Yeah, for sure. Ichiro has a kind of a hidden fun to him, because like you said, he's very systematic, he's, he's very calculated, but... For those who know him best on any of his teams that he played for, he asked every single manager, can you let me pitch? Like, I, I, I pitched in Japan. Like, let me pitch. And no one would let him until the Marlins. And then he was able to come in, I believe that was last year. Right. Good broadcasters in baseball, I think, are so, so valuable. And, uh, and I, and I want to know who was your favorite when, when you were growing up and well, trying to figure out what you wanted to do with your life. Well, in Detroit, it was uh, Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey on the radio broadcast, and then it was George Kell and Al Kaline that did the TV broadcast. So you have two Hall of Fame players. You have a Hall of Fame broadcaster in Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey, who ne- you know never got—he uh, just passed away recently, mm. and, uh, and you know he never got quite his due, but he was there for 19 years. And so a terrific, booming voice. Uh, Ernie Harwell, the Southern gentleman, as was uh, George Cal, because he grew up in Arkansas, so he had a, a Southern twang as well, which is funny for Detroit to have two kind of main play-by-play guys uh, that had a, a real rich Southern accent. Um, but and then Al Kaline, one of the greatest players uh, of his generation and really ever, uh, right fielders ever. So I learned baseball through them. I mean, just watching and listening, and and those were my major influences. And then when I became a teenager. Uh, I started filling around on the radio uh, in lieu of like chasing girls and, and being popular or cool. Uh, I decided to sit in my room and listen to the radio from other cities. Explains <laughs> <laughs> a lot where, where I am today. Um, hey, yeah. In, yeah, uh, yeah. In, both, in both realms. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> I ended up marrying well. It, Turned out good, but uh, yeah, the <laughs> but uh, you know I, I could hear all the different radio stations. Now, of course, today you have an app, uh, we, you know, internet, whatever. You can get radio yeah, stations from any, the world instantly. Station. This was you had to turn a dial and and really hope you know the clouds were a certain way on a, a particular right. night, and you could listen in to a certain station. So I would listen into Montreal Canadiens hockey in French because I was studying French at the time. So I was wow. hoping that it would increase my 
grasp of the French language. It had, it did not. Ah. Uh, I would listen to Mike Lang of the Penguins uh, on KDK in Pittsburgh. So it's such a thrill to now be there and and uh, be on their air uh, as well. Uh, and then uh, outside, uh, you could get on WTMJ 620. You could hear the great Bob Uecker. Uh You could hear Jack Buck down on KMOX. Mm. Uh, I could hear Buddy Diliberto, who is a great talk show host in New Orleans, uh, on uh, WWL in New Orleans. I ended up wor- uh, working in New Orleans later on in my career after Buddy D had passed away. Um, WLW with Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxle on 700. So these are the stations that I could get regularly, and I would just flip across the dial and listen mostly to baseball and some hockey in the wintertime. And uh, that was just kind of my way of expanding how I learned the craft a little bit. And then by the time I got to college, the internet started popping up, and uh, I started you know, really taking it seriously. Yeah, and and the world and you and you were changed forever. Thanks, thanks. My voice that. deepened. Yeah, that helped. <laughs> I'm here once again with Clay Laraski. Clay, let's finish up talking about series two. Another insert that's in here that is something very interesting, and it's shall I say Ginter-esque, but it's in series two, and it's called double play. These cards are randomly inserted into packs. Um, When you get the card, you'll see the subject on the front of the card, and then there'll be a date. Inside of that card, once you rip the card open, there's an outcome. So when you get this card, you have to decide, should I rip this or not? Because if that player reaches the outcome that's inside of the card, you will win a prize. Um, and we have prizes anywhere from boxes of cards to trips to the World Series. Again, this is called Double Play. And I mean, as an example, the, the art that I'm looking at right now, it's a Mike Trout card, swinging, looking very stoic as he always does. And it says September 10th, 2016. And again, as Clay said, you rip it and you see inside and he did what it said that he was going to do, which is, let's say, in this example one, three or more hits. The prize could be a Mike Trout autograph card, and it says it right on the card that is within the card. So that is going to be a lot of fun. Look out for that insert. It is definitely going to be worth your while to at least consider maybe opening up one of these cards. I know that Series 2, while it's it's a lot of base cards and some fun inserts, there are some good hits that are in this product as well. Right. um, The scouting report autographs are back. Um, One of my favorites which is uh, Burger's Best, um, our cards from throughout the, the, the 65 years of Topps baseball cards um, with, a, with a great shot of Cyberger on the card. And there are also memorabilia cards with, with pins on them, which are different themes, anywhere from the Features game to World Series champions. There's also patch cards and just a lot of great autograph cards and memorabilia cards. And Clay, why don't we finish this up by uh, telling people where they can buy this Topps Baseball Series 2. You can find Topps Baseball Series 2 everywhere. Uh, Target, Walmart, hobby stores, what have you. Um, it's one of the most widely distributed products. And um, this product does exactly what we want it to do, and that's capture the game. One of the things that I that I'm fascinated by about this the profession that you're in is wh- how your life is like being with a team 
so much. Uh, like on a daily me. basis? Yeah. So on a daily basis, we, um, you know, like we got into New York here. Uh, this is uh, for the series in mid-June. So we got in on a Sunday night, probably probably 9 or 9.30, we got to the hotel room. Okay. I just uh, hung out and went to sleep. Um, because we, you know, I got that six-month-old at home, so you know, sure. try to take advantage of the road to sleep and 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 exercise a little bit, and then in the morning I get I get up and study for you know the game, uh, go get a workout in, I go have lunch somewhere, uh, if if time affords it, take a nap. If not, I go shower and go right to the ballpark. If not, I get up, shower, and go to the ballpark. So, um, and I pretty much do that every single day. <laughs> so, um, on a day like today, to be able to kind of break out, I'm gonna. You know, I haven't done any prep work yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it on the bus ride right. uh, onto the ballpark today. So I'm, I'm kind of shaking things up a little bit. But um, but for the most part, that's the daily routine. There isn't a whole lot of tourism that takes place. Although I try to make myself do it occasionally. But you know, you work every single day, so yeah. um, you have to treat it, it just as if you're driving to the office uh, or you're driving to the plant, and uh, you know uh, you're going to work that day because if you try to make it more than it is like hey we're in new york let's do this you know let's sightsee and everything you're gonna get worn out uh before the end of the uh, of the baseball season so uh i try to treat it more as as you know work but occasionally try to get out and do something fun like mm-hmm. i am here today yeah i'm so glad that we are your sightseeing trip of of this is new it. york this is this is it well i did see the statue of liberty over in battery park i just happened to want to peek it good out yeah for the are, first time we are at the very bottom tip of this island so you can definitely see that and uh when it's a really nice day oh man nothing's better than being down here this is it's a, it's a great it's a great area and uh, i can smell the gum just yeah if you close your eyes you exactly. can just you can smell the gum just smell a little bit bazooka. <laughs> feels good <laughs> So I'll finish up with this, which is when you were younger and holding these cards or drawing your own cards, because you did tell me off yes. that you did that. Very that. poorly, I might add. But well, I enjoyed you're it. You're in this. You're not in, you're not in, in, the, uh, in the John Dolan no, uh, realm. No, it was neat to meet him, today. though. Yeah. He's one of the designers. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, no. The art director, I should say. Yes. 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 He, is, uh, he is a whiz. And designer of the Top Stock logo. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Thank you, John. Can you imagine that you are doing what you are doing today? Yes. <laughs> I, this is all I ever wanted to do. I'm very stubborn. I really believe that this is what I was going to end up doing for my career since I was about eight years old. Wow. And I, I don't mean it to sound uh, pompous because... Um, no, it stubborn is, people will understand. It is that. very difficult to get to this spot. And, I, and I, I don't say that to compliment myself. I say that to give respect to a lot of other people who are working in the minor leagues currently or have or have quit uh, that are very, very good and could very well be doing the job I'm doing right now uh, and, and do just as good of a job, if not better. Um, but I happen to be lucky enough. Uh, I think luck is a byproduct of preparation as well as timing. Um, so I do feel like I've, I've earned where I've been, but you still need some breaks. And I've gotten plenty of those breaks to help me move along my career at just the right times. Um, I'd never, but I never wavered. I just, I felt like I would be doing this. And and just six years ago, this is 2016 right now we're talking. So in 2010, I was in Billings, Montana, 
um, calling the games. Mustangs. Yes, the Billings Mustangs. Which, I almost got that job. Did you really? I did. Well, you should have called me. I would have called Gary well, Roller, their general well, manager. Guess and, and, what? Yeah. See, all of these, all these connections I have now, which would have helped me, which would have helped me become a b- baseball broadcaster. It is well, way, it's well, too late. <laughs> well, it's not too late. You're 27. That's I true. worked there at 32 years oh, old. Okay, all right. That's in fair. 2010. That's fair. And uh, and I was working in the NBA on the side. You're working at, at Tops for your full time job. Sure. Um, so so this was kind of a side job for me, but. I said, you know, I want to continue to work in baseball. I'm going to get a big league job. And the very next year, the Dodgers hired me to do their post-game show on, on KABC in Los awesome. Angeles. A, a dream come true. One of the great, great stations uh, in our nation's history. And then later on, I, I get I get to work on WTMJ in, in Milwaukee, another one of the great heritage stations, and work next to Bob Uecker. And now KDKA Pittsburgh, you know, the original sports broadcasting station. Uh, and now I'm on the F- FM side, but still, you know, it's still call, same call letters. Yeah, same, same. I, I try to fib that a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but still, it's a, an incredible thrill. And uh, so I'm very, very humbled to be here. But in that same vein, I always felt that I would be. And that's and that's the most impressive thing, I think, is that people who, you know, who have that vision and they don't take their eye off the ball. And it, it's very easy to take your eye off the ball, especially now when. You can go on Indeed.com or whatever jobs. I'd be like, oh, type in what I like to do. and Well, maybe I can do that instead. But if someone truly has that passion and to go after it, that there is there is truly nothing more impressive than that. So congratulations, Thank sir, you. on where, Thank you very not much. only where you are, uh, but where you will go. And also the newest addition, Nancy. Thank and, you very much. And... I can only enjoy my life. I, For those of you that yeah. do not have children yet and you're thinking about it, uh, if you have love in your hearts, it's the greatest thing you can ever do is, is become a parent. Thanks for listening to Tops Talk, and we hope you hear us again soon. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Audioboo, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can find us on Twitter at Tops Talk. If you have any questions or comments or would like to tell us your collecting story on a future episode, email us at topstalk at tops.com. Special thanks goes to Clay Laraski, Leanne Minutoli, Susan Lejudai, and Joe Block. This has been Episode 27 of Top Stock. <laughs>